Hi, this is Bill Crystal. Breaking news. The scientists who devised the failed North Korean missile experiment, their punishment, listening to this podcast. Dad Belter. 900 horses of Detroit muscle. It's a beast. Know what she ran in Palmdale? No, what did she run? Nine seconds flat. My dad was driving. So much torque, the chassis twisted coming off the line. So what's your best time? I've never driven her. Why not? Scares the out of me. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Nothing else matters, not the mortgage, not the store, not my team and all that For those 10 seconds or less, I'm free. Hello and welcome back to the Substandard. I'm Victor Mattis along with Jonathan B. Last and Sonny Bunch. I'd like to remind you that the Substandard is available on iTunes and Google Play. Just look at our podcasts and search for Substandard. You will easily find us. Please subscribe, tell your friends, leave a review. In addition, we'd also like to remind you that Substandard show notes posted by Jonathan Last are available every Friday at 11 a.m. at weeklystandard.com. Speaking of reviews, we continue to be blessed by starred and custom reviews. Uh, It's just going gangbusters. Keep them coming. We have nominated this week for our favorite do we not jvl yeah i'll start out with my nominee my nominee for best review of the week is from zacchaeus this is a good podcast except for the fact that sunny is a garbage millennial and jvl is so obsessed with ranking he should probably be medicated and if you have an 18 year old daughter and you see vic mattis taste first and ask questions later but other than that it's fine that's an excellent review, Zacchaeus. I nominate you for best review of the week. I, I have a question for Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus? Dr. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus has been come down from that tree. It's kind of an Easter reference. Uh, what you're saying is if your daughter is 19, you will not tase me. That's what you're saying. Just checking. Yeah, but you also okay. won't be interested. So. Uh, I'll see you next year. Uh, okay. Sonny. Uh, I'm going to go I'm gonna go a little bit of a throwback here to April 7th, 2017. Uh, from one PDV, PDV, you're the good, you're the, you're the man. You gave us five stars. No, you can't Headline. do this. You have, do, you have to do. No, no, Sonny, stop. You cannot do this, Sonny. You I'm, have to I'm do from it. the week. I'm giving I'm him. A, I'm giving him. Because otherwise, a pass. no. Listen, listen, pass. listen. If you do this, then it means that people get their reviews to have bites at the apple for best review and for the fabulous prizes that I send, which, by the way, aren't expensed. I pay for them out of my own pocket. This means that you do one review and you're entered into that pot in perpetuity instead of just you enter and you get one week where you can win. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Uh, Sonny's going to give it anyway. Go ahead, Sonny. I'm doing it anyway. (laughs) Great podcast from PDV. Sonny Bunch is always right. Uh, yes, that's, he must have been. That's the whole. That's he must have been talking about your Jack Reacher review. That's that's from that goes way back then. You know, if yeah. if people if people want to get their their shout outs, they know what they got to do. Just uh, just okay. say I'm right. Well, that's, my that's my favorite is from Brannigan's Law. Uh, just when you think Vic doesn't know what is going on around him, Sonny's high nerdtastic IQ and JVL's highbrow seem to overwhelm. That is when he comes out of nowhere like an Oxford comma with the humor and insight. Besides, I can distinguish his voice from JVL's and Sonny's too close for comfort dulcet 
tones. That's right, Brannigan's Law. No one will ever confuse my voice for anyone's unless my co-hosts become Paul Lind and Charles Nelson Riley. Uh, yeah, and also, I love the Oxford comma. And uh, by the way, Brannigan's Law's review is... Don't sleep on Vic, which is absolutely true, unless you're my wife, Emma Watson, or Jennifer Love Hewitt. Okay. All right, who wins? Uh, oh, I'm not. I'm not going to support Vic, so I'll go with Zakaya. Zakaya. I'll go with Zakaya. I'll go with Zakaya. Zakaya. Will you please email us or tweet at one of us or something, and I'll send you something nice. There was also a, re- a reviewer, by the way, who said that. Uh, he said that on the show, uh, Josh Epi said there was at least one garbage person, one guy wrong about everything, and a wise, doddering old man. And I just thought it was so funny that somebody thinks you're a wise, doddering old man, Sonny. So yeah. funny. Well, I mean, there, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard being a wise soul in, yeah. a, in a young body. <laughs> uh, and uh, other than that, I hope everybody had a happy Easter or Passover. Or, or Sonny, uh, perhaps you're celebrating Earth Day coming up. Is this because I'm the pagan of the group? Are you a Satanist or just a uh, non-believer or what? How do you, how do you self-identify? What an animist. 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 Uh, I'm a I'm a bunchist. Do you celebrate the solstice? I celebrate the self. Oh, the self. Right. No, no. Yeah. Spring equinox. Spring equinox is past. That was that was a big one in the bunch in the bunch household. Bunchmas. Yes, bunchmas. This is probably why I've been I've been struck down with the plague this week. This is I'm literally I'm broadcasting from. Uh, from a, a undisclosed location, but it feels like you're here. The quality yeah. is so good; it's it's like you aren't being missed. Uh, and JVL, you're doing okay. I was going to rank it like I normally do, but you know, since we have to stick to integers, oh, I'm going to skip the ranking this week. It's Monday. Hey, no, wait, it's Thursday. Never mind. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's right. Oh, good Thursday morning, everybody. Yeah, Just Thursday about to have morning. lunch as you're downloading on your way to wherever. Uh, I uh, spent a few days in New York City. Uh, New, New York, York City. City. That's right. And it took the kids uh, for their first time. It's funny, when you walk out of Penn Station, these smells just sort of overwhelm you. And the 20 million people, mostly from Spain and France, by the way, that's what I noticed from all the tourists that were there. Uh, no and, Russians? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, Spanish, but like Castilian Spanish, you know, and French. And and it's so overwhelming for kids. If your only city is Washington, D.C., where the buildings only go up 12 stories high, and suddenly they're like 80-story buildings, and that was crazy. Uh, uh, but they had a great time. Uh, I did have a thought, which was uh, there's a way to solve at least and reduce 50% of pedestrian traffic in New York City. And that's if you just take away all the strollers with nobody in them. Because everywhere we went, there were parents pushing empty strollers. And the double wides going up the escalators of Empire State Building, pushing empty strollers. Where are the kids? Ah, they're, yeah, they're, the kids? they're walking. They don't need the stroller. So it's like, so, why? You know what? My thing is, we were like this with our family. We were always like... Either you walk or you stay in the stroller, and guess what? You're walking because this is Fifth Avenue. It's not the Batan Death March. That's how that's how we rolled. <laughs> what yeah. what blew your kids' minds the most? Did you take them to Times Square? Because I've always thought that yeah. for for like a six year old kid, seeing Times Square for the first time would that, that basically uh, send them into like an epileptic seizure of awesomeness. It was sort of. The, I think they were overwhelmed by the craziness craziness of Times Square, but at the same time. It's uh, they only saw it during the day, and you know, at night, Times Square yeah, is even different. really yeah. crazier. Uh, they loved the Natural History Museum and the dinosaurs, they really did. Yeah. And uh, my son's really into dinosaurs at the moment, and of course, going up to the 86th floor uh, observatory deck 
of uh, the Empire State. Oh, you did that. You did that. How I said, nice. kids, this is where they filmed uh, Sleepless in Seattle. How nice. Yeah. No, it was lovely. You know, it was a nice family time, you know, uh, for me, you know, uh, and, you know, nothing comes before me and my family. I never turn my back on my family, which sounds like something from a very pro-family <laughs> movie. Oh, boy. Vic, that's nicely oh, done. Thank you. That's I worked on that transition one. this morning. I spent the whole weekend in the city thinking about that. A very pro-family, pro-religion movie, really, and just a little bit of racing on the side came out this weekend. Of course, I'm talking about The Fate of the Furious, which made $100 million in the box office domestically and, in, and worldwide $532 million. Uh, half of which go right to Vin Diesel's arms, I believe. They just get deposited, and he has his, his arms has have their own uh, bank accounts. Sonny, JVL, you both saw this latest installment. Uh, what did you think, JVL? No, no, no. Oh, what? Sonny, oh. would you review it, please? Of course. Sure. So Unless you want to fate. do it together. We could hold hands and double byline our review. Mm, no. <laughs> okay. No, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. Okay. Uh, so the fate of the furious stars uh, everyone as uh, a team of out racing or racing outlaws who uh, go go around the world solving crimes and doing kind of blackback. I, I kind of don't really understand what their relationship to the government is at this point. You have Vin Diesel <laughs> uh, who's playing Dom and you have uh, uh, Michelle Rodriguez who's playing Letty. They're they're married. They're having their uh, honeymoon in the notorious car paradise of Cuba. Uh, where they're checking out all the local hot rods and they, they have to do this this race to save one of Dom's family's members' cars or something. doesn't matter. Stupid. Um, and then uh, from there, uh, uh, Dom runs into uh, the, char- the, ha- the the super hacker named Cypher, who's played by the wonderful Charlize Theron. Um, she uh, convinces Dom that he has to betray his team, which he does during a weird oh. mission to Germany where they... Uh, the the team uh, which has been joined by Dwayne the Rock Johnson uh, tries to uh, steal an EMP from a factory or a government warehouse or maybe a a, a terrorist organization Un- unclear to me unclear to me um, uh, and in so doing uh, the team is bet- betrayed by Dom who who takes the EMP to Cipher. Uh, from there, the team has to figure out why Dom has betrayed them, and we all get to get to solve the mystery along with them. Um, the movie is bad. It's a bad movie, uh, filled with dumb action and awful performances. The only thing that's good about it is Jason Statham, uh, who has who joined the series at the end of the sixth one, I believe, and like a teaser stinger sort of thing, uh, and is the the villain in the seventh. Um, and, uh, you know, he he is like a, he, he is he can actually perform action uh, uh, sequences, which is very rare, apparently, for for guys in this movie. Like even Vin Diesel is not uh, ever asked to do anything in terms of action. Um, he can actually like do flips and kicks and punches and stuff, which is which is nice. It gives us a little break from the monotonous and boring car chase scenes uh, one of which includes uh, a race on ice against a submarine that's russian and has nukes on it <laughs> uh so this is a series that has gone from like and uh, you if know, i can interrupt this, you for a moment sonny yeah please. has internet enabled doors yes and that's, hatches it, inside the sub which i thought was pretty ingenious considering it's in a sub made it's a boomer so it's presumably made in 1980 it's in a sub base we're supposedly being retrofitted to modern standards and so they put in 
doors within the submarine, yeah. which can be controlled and open and closed from somebody who has hacked into the submarine system from, say, an airplane. This is, that's not even the best part of that sequence. The best part of that sequence is that they use an EMP to, like, blow and disable the ship, which they then reboot electronically. Yeah. Science. Make sense of that, people. Make, I dare you. I defy anyone who is listening to this to this podcast right now to explain to me the physics or the, uh, I don't know, electricity, the chemistry, the magic, the magic of this movie. It, none of it makes any sense. Anyway, so uh, the movie is bad, and people who like these movies uh, aren't bad, but they have bad taste. And it makes me sad that this movie made half a billion. This movie made more money this weekend than any movie ever has, basically. Uh, so I'm I'm depressed about the state of the world after having seen it. JVL, how did you like it? <laughs> yes, JVL, please. So, Sonny, you have some wrong opinions. Mm. And normally I would just go onto Twitter to correct you. But we're all sitting here. So the movie's bad, but it's bad for different reasons. Uh, I am one of those people who really likes the Fast and Furious franchise. We can get into why I like the Fast and Furious franchise in a little bit. But this is a very bad entrant into that franchise, I would say. If we were going to rank them, which I plan on doing like 30 oh. minutes from now, uh, then we would Not rank this towards, <laughs> towards the very bottom. And it has a number of problems, but the problems don't have anything to do with plot holes. They don't have anything to do with bad physics or bad science, because all of that stuff you just sort of assume in. If you can't buy into this, then you just can't buy into it, and this movie isn't for you. The problem with F8, notice what they did there? Yes. Fate, fate, F8. fate. Uh, get it. The problem hate, with H8, I don't hate. Get it. The problem with Fast and Furious Eight is that it fails a bunch of storytelling tests. And what these movies have all, not always, but most of the time, what they do is that taken on their own terms, they are very good and very efficient storytelling machines. Uh, and so, for instance, in this, you have the lead character, Dominic, and he's separated from his team for much too long. Like with the audience, we want them together doing interesting things together. They do not. Instead, he's turned against them. That's not all that interesting. Would have been much more interesting to turn the rock against them. And I suspect that there was a story meeting at some point where they thought about doing that because uh, it would have been easy. You have the rock, you have his daughter kidnapped, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, in the climactic scene, uh, which we talked about, where they're racing on ice against the submarine, there are like four things going on. You have Charlie Theron on the plane. You then have Jason Statham on the plane. You have Dominic fighting this red-bearded guy. You have the cars versus the subs. And all these threads are happening in theory simultaneously, but they're cut together in such a way that there's no narrative logic to them, and there's no building of dramatic tension. Uh, there's no excitement. Everything is just, it's like the balloon is constantly having the air leak out of it. Uh, uh, and again, this is not like plot hole criticism. It's just that the movie is is not functioning well as a storytelling device. But here's the biggest criticism that I have, and the reason the movie falls flat. The the Fast and Furious, as you said, Victorino, is all about family. Yes. Right? Jason Statham's character is welcomed onto the team in this. 
okay. Jason Statham killed part of the family. He killed oh, yeah. Han. Han. That yeah. was that was Some the last king. movie. Yeah, this was it. It just happened in the last movie. Uh, and well, right, but it was the the setup for this. And then all of a sudden, he's on the team and he's part of the family, and that doesn't make sense. There's this cognitive thematic dissonance which is set up here, because you could have Jason Statham as part of the team where they're forced to work together, after which they go their separate ways or something. Right. But all of a sudden, we are just airbrushing out, and that doesn't work. It doesn't fit in with any of the the just the milieu of these films. Right. The family I, values it, of the Toredos. Yeah, and I think that that is that is a real a real problem. It is a problem again that audiences. It's the type of thing you can't necessarily put your finger on it unless you spend a lot of time thinking about this. Uh, but you feel, I think, I think people feel that like we like Jason Statham's character. He's great. But all of a sudden, like this, just doesn't work with it. Uh, you you miss the one thing. Jason Statham is not the best thing in this movie, Sonny. Oh, uh, what are you? What the is? best? The best thing in this movie is Helen Mirren. Ooh, no. No. <laughs> Helen Mirren is so great. So, what is Helen Mirren in this? Helen one? Mirren is uncredited. She shows up for one scene for about two minutes, and she is awesome. I love Helen Mirren. Please, Sonny, it's, try it's to rebut just another, It's is just she... another boring, overstuffed part of a boring, overstuffed movie. Like she's, tr- she, she's. They're trying to make it funny, and she's like this Cockney gangster, who uh, is the mother, or yeah, she's the mother of Jason Statham's character. And you know, the, there's this whole kind funny. of subplot where Jason Statham's brother was the villain from, I think, the fifth one. Is that or no? He was the Six. villain in the sixth Six. one. He was the villain in the sixth one. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. None of this matters. because you're <laughs> It right. doesn't matter what movie he was the villain in. The, the, That's the Dwayne Solo, Johnson would have once uh, said. Uh, you know, death scene being negated by... Uh, also, can we discuss the fact that they basically just murder a woman so Michelle Rodriguez can have a, a, a child without ever having to be pregnant? <laughs> they murder... The what are you Cypher trying to murders, say, Sonny? Cypher murders a member of the family... <laughs> Uh, so, so Dom and Letty can have a kid without them having to like actually be together in a in in a biblical sense. It's very weird, and I uh, I I have to say that the thing that I find uh, most frustrating about this is that you know you just know that at a certain point Cipher is going to join the team, right? Because this is basically an anime series at this point, where the last season's villain becomes this season's new member of the team. Like the 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 they're gonna join forces and take down some extra uh, uh, huge threat. I I hate this dumb series. I hate it, and I I can't. I I resent the fact that it makes as much money as it does. Victorino, would you break the tie? You love yeah, Fast and I, Furious I, I, too, I, I, right? No, a Tokyo Drift, great movie. I love Little Bow Wow, even though he was just called Bow Wow, but for some reason they called him Twinkie. That is an unfortunate name. I would have not agreed to that role if that was my name. Uh, but. Uh, uh, what what I was going to ask you guys uh, first was I mean with the series I mean they were showing the marathon on Spike TV right it was a Fast and Furious marathon were they I don't watch TV oh that's right let alone Spike and it just is hard to tell one from the other really because they just seem to all blend together whether it be faster and furiouser with or without the articles those are two separate movies right the Fast and the Furious and Fast and Furious are two separate movies is that correct. Yes. And yes. Furious. Yes, that's correct. And I kept calling it Furious Eight, but it's uh, or Fast Five. It's not Furious Five, and everything a faster and furiouser. Um, and it's like, how do you top 
each and every one of these movies in 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 in, the, in, the, in this uh, collection. And when I saw the commercials and you guys watched it with the nuclear submarine and military hardware and tanks and missiles, well, that's it, right? I mean, what, where do you go from there? Do you go space, into space? Moonraker, <laughs> right? <it'll> go to <laughs> Jason Ten. You know, yes, I, I Friday did, the Thirteenth. No, really, I did think to myself, Vic. I don't know if listeners know this. Vic is one of the best editors I've ever worked with and <laughs> Vic is one of these guys who has an eye for like everything that's wrong on a page this must give you like ticks and convulsions looking at these various yes. misspelled like numerals instead of words oh, it's too so, fast yes. too yes. furious yes. faster and more furious or it, it, it was a blur it becomes a blur and I don't know what I'm watching anymore although again some of them are really good I did actually sit and watch from beginning to end Fast Five in the favelas in Brazil I thought that was very entertaining but as JVL mentions after six uh, Han gets killed I saw the ending of that it's a horrible ending to that character where you get you know, you know the car explodes on him, and then again suddenly they're friends. So I find that there are a lot more problems with this. I have a lot of concerns with the F and F uh, uh, collection, uh, but again, I don't know where you go from here because there's going to be nine. Obviously, wait, wait yes. a minute, Vic. Yes, don't yes, you JVL. know that Han died at the end of Tokyo Drift? Oh, wait a minute. I'm getting Don't you understand? Here. No. So this is Tokyo Drift is out of continuity. Yes. The oh events of gosh. Tokyo Drift actually take place between. You're kidding me. Yep. Oh, I've just been blown. This away. is a real thing. Did I I've just been blow your mind away? Uh, I have to go back now and you watch know, this. Okay, I'm, hold, uh, I'm withholding hold judgment. I'm withholding judgment. On. This is getting deeper. Our our mutual friends, Mary Catherine Ham and Kristen Soltis Anderson, did a podcast last week for the Federalist Radio Hour mm -hmm. that I just it was so good. They just spent a full hour on Fast and Furious. They are connoisseurs of these movies and to such a degree that they were even analyzing the changing fashion in men's t shirts across the series. Wow. And Mary Catherine Ham, who is herself quite controversial, has written a lot of very controversial things Opinions. about Frozen. Problematic. The movie. Yes, yes. Uh, maybe her most controversial opinion ever is that Tokyo Drift is the greatest of the Fast and Furious <laughs> movies. And she makes a case. Well, I like the villain. Is it is it Ken Watanabe? Am I getting that wrong? It's not Ken Watanabe. <laughs> Why do you say it's Ken Watanabe? Oh, I knew I was going to step Why on this Why do you say one. that? Man, oh, that's just one giant macroaggression happening there. You know, the guy from Inception and The Last Samurai. Uh, I'm not. I'm, uh, not, I'm not Filipino either. Uh, yes, so I'm not touching uh, this. Toshiro Mifune. No, it's not. It's uh, I. I forget his name. Doesn't matter what. Keep I away. liked him. Thank you. He was very good. I, I can see that. I can see making an argument. It's like a fish out of water oh, thing. <laughs> it's lost in suits. He's. I think. Kristen says. So it's like lost in translation, but with race cars. Uh, yes, that's I very good. It. It's, uh, totally you know, over. It's Justin Lin is when he comes again, and Justin Lin again. revitalizing the series. Uh, I like, you know, the truth is I would actually rank, I wouldn't go with best overall like Mary Catherine, but I would rank it pretty high on our Sagarin rankings of the Fast and the Furious wait, if wait, we wait, were wait, to wait, construct sorry, such I'm a sorry. thing. Yes, Sonny. Can I just interrupt for, for one second? Please. You're suggesting that uh, Justin Lin's... The Fast and the Fu Justin Lin uh, started revitalizing the series with the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. 
because that was the nadir of the series by every measure, except for your and Mary Catherine's No, not creatively, it was ratings. not. No, no, no. This is yeah, simply no, a wrong is, opinion. That's the too fast, too furious as the nadir no, no. of the ser- of the series. I'm oh, skipping no, no, that no. one. No, 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 no. Tokyo Drift is much worse. This is simply wrong. No one denies this. <laughs> uh, yes, no. Sonny. No, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna explain anything. I, this is. This is. You're just. You're just so wrong. This is again. Once again, uh, JVL is insane, and everyone should mention this in the reviews that they leave of our show. <laughs> Sonny, as you, uh, Sonny, as you mentioned in, in in your review that this is going to keep on going. Is that correct? I mean, the, yeah, there's the added there's two, There are two more of these movies already scheduled uh, uh, to be released. So. There's got to be one then that's going to be Fast and Furious in space, right? It'll be like the Emmanuel series. Emmanuel in Paris. Emmanuel. Oh, sorry, that was on HBO in the seventies and early eighties. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not similar. Familiar. Similar. I'm not familiar with the Emmanuel series. Oh, uh, uh, that, could you explain what that is? It's a period drama. In our audience, it's a, it's a, period, it's a period drama. Yes, thank you, JVL. It's culture. It's French. It's French. <laughs> foreign. No, foreign uh, film. But uh, anyway, Justin Lin is a bad director who makes bad movies. Okay. So okay. we shouldn't we shouldn't uh, praise him. Wow. Wrong. Anyway. Uh, oh. I did you see the new Star Trek movie? Didn't he direct that? It's terrible. I it's did really not bad. see it. Okay. Wasn't there a car chase in it? Oh yeah. There was. Uh, there was like a motorcycle chase. So I I mean, can we talk about some of the things that were so this is interesting please. to me. I'm pleased, JVL. This so we're now basically gonna do an analyze an analytic show of the Mary Catherine and Kristen podcast. <laughs> it's but, like very meta. No, but what's interesting to me is that they mentioned something which totally stuck with me and I thought I was the only one but it, it turns out so I now imagine maybe this is other people for me the entire mission statement for the series is actually a scene in the first movie where they all get together in the backyard barbecue at the Toretto house and they say grace yes and that is a Dominic is the patriarch and they say grace because these are people for whom it is their culture this is where they they have just it was passed down to them through wherever and because that is important to them and that is the fam- family is what you make of it and they are all bound together in an important way even Vince who is sort of a meathead and a chucklehead and a source of conflict within like they all bow their heads and say grace together that's exactly right JVL it is the, one of the things that struck me about uh, Fast Five was that sort of pro-family element in the you don't see this a lot and Dom is talking about how his father had everyone over at a Sunday barbecue and the only rule is you had to have gone to church in order to get the barbecue and he mentions that and then and then somebody I think eats out of turn and so that person has to say the grace and they say grace and it's crazy it's like what this is a movie happening right now really yeah no kidding and this is this is the heart of the movie and this is and I, I really think that this is true mm-hmm. and this is why people respond to the series because it is a series which does a couple things very right it knows what it is uh, it is rooted it has actual heart like it, it really believes this family stuff. Uh, nobody mails it in. There is nobody in any of these movies who is ever mailing in a performance or mailing in the stunt work or the conception of something. Whether things work or don't work, they work or don't work honestly. Uh, and because, as I said, most of them are really efficient, pretty, pretty economical storytelling machines, uh, and that's why people like them. It's it's not uh, it's not rocket science. That's that's right. Uh, the um, the family that prays together. Races together and kills together. I guess that's the uh, Sonny. <laughs> Sonny, you're just shaking you your head, there? right? Sitting in your closet, shaking your head. Uh, I've uh, fashioned a a sort of noose 
<laughs> and I've looped it. I've looped it around the ceiling, and we're just getting we're getting close. You know, you know so. what else I think plays a part of this uh, this series popularity. Do you realize this is one of the final three blockbuster movies before nine eleven? Hmm. The original and Fast and Furious. It was the last original blockbuster before nine eleven. So, so three big movies. The last three big movies to come out before nine eleven. That was summer two thousand. Uh, summer two thousand one. 2001, brother. Yeah. Uh, our 9/11 was in 2001. I'm, I'm, you're not you're not young enough to I make know, that mistake, Victorino. I know. Uh, Rush Hour two, American Pie two, and Fast and the Furious. And mm. so this is part of the reason I think this eats up a big chunk of mental and cultural real estate that those movies do not. I think it's probably you know not coincidental. May I tell a little story? I was actually living it's in DC at the yeah. time, and wow. I was so jazzed to see this movie that I went home to New Jersey for the weekends so that my little brother and I could go see it on opening night together. And so we went to the packed Marlton 8 to any South Marlton, Jersey people there Marlton, represent. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and it's opening night. And this is a very, very white bread area. And out of packed house, sold out show. And afterwards in the parking lot, all of us. We're sitting in our parents' Volvos, gunning the motors and sort of thinking like, oh, yeah. Maybe we're all just going to street race right here on the way to Starbucks. Yep. It was- uh, no, I, I could totally see myself in that world, too, because I, I, I can race with you guys. Uh, now, I'm just making sure you have some cars that are automatic. That's correct? Uh, just making sure <laughs> that they're not all stick. Automatic. Okay, good. I'm good. I, I'll be there. I'll see you. Yeah. yeah uh, it was, you know, that, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting idea that this is kind of one of the last- uh, pre 9-11 action franchises uh, interesting because really it, the series has evolved into this kind of faux James Bond deep state international terror uh, thing that was definitely not part of the original film yeah. and I mean like uh, M- uh, MKH and Kristen made a very good point uh, in their podcast which everyone should listen to um, that like the original stakes of this movie were like they were boosting a hundred million dollars worth of DVD players Right. Oh, I think it's and, like I think it's like three million dollars with the or DVD yeah, or, players. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, no, like, it's like very five small million dollars, like a big truck, basically a big truck of DVD players. And like now, uh, now, now it's you know nuclear missiles on Russian right. subs in the right. middle of the Arctic Ocean. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is. It has kind of it has it has kind of become this global phenomenon. And you know, talking uh, talking about the 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 box office uh, returns kind of helps underscore just how insanely popular this movie is. Overseas, it, it is it, it grossed something like four, 540 million dollars this weekend, um, and uh, of that figure, like 440 of it came from overseas. Now that is, you see this kind of disparity sometimes uh, in a movie like Warcraft or uh, even the the triple X movies, the the most recent Vin Diesel triple X movie. You see that sort of disparity between domestic and overseas, but like, uh, you don't usually see it when the film also grosses a hundred million dollars domestically in the United States. Uh, so these are these are huge, huge properties overseas, uh, in part because it has kind of embraced that post nine eleven terror threat mindset, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're universally accessible. The tuner culture is a thing which is universal. Anywhere there are cars, there is a tuner tuner culture of some sort. Uh, Sonny, you pay more attention to box office than I do. This movie opened to $100 million in America and $190 million in China. Do yeah. you remember the Chinese box office ever doubling the American box office for a tentpole movie on opening weekend? 
Uh, I mean, again, outside of movies like Triple X or uh, Warcraft, no. I mean, not, that's, that's not, amazing. Not, nothing, right? nothing like this. That is amazing. No. But what, what people may not know uh, is that, so in America, the movie studio gets 50% of every dollar that comes in the box office. Uh, in China, we, the movie studio universally gets 25%. So it needs to gross more overseas. Uh, movies and properties which are overseas heavy in terms of what they rely on for box office need to do a lot more uh, in order to make up. This is still, America is still the most valuable market for, for them because they just take away more of the money from the box office. Yeah. You know, Furious 7 made $1.5 billion, uh, and it made 1.16 of that overseas. And I would be shocked if it does not make another... I, I mean, I would be kind of surprised if it doesn't if it doesn't hit like $1.3, $1.4 billion overseas this time around. I think it will do less well domestically. Uh, the, the opening weekend this end, this this weekend was very much on the low end of expectations. Um, partly it was a because, 33% I mean, part- decline over uh, the opening of 7. Yeah, mm. but I mean, you know, it's hard to, but it's 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 an apples and oranges comparison because Furious Seven, of course, everyone was excited to go see Paul Walker's last movie. Um, everyone, you know, uh, the, the, ad, the ad campaign had been really good, but you know, you had that kind of Heath Ledger effect where there were a lot of people who may not normally have gone to see the film who were uh, out there weekend one, you know, kind of kind of getting getting in that Paul Walker goodness. Does, does Paul Walker make any sort of appearance, either flashback or CGI-wise, in the new movie? Nothing. He Pictures, photos. No, they mention him, and they explain why they can't go get him in such a way as to keep him living but off camera. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, which is nice. I actually yeah. thought that was nicely okay. done. Uh, JVL, we are about half an hour into the show. You want to go right into your rankings now? Well, I mean, if you guys <laughs> would like to try ranking them first, I'm happy to correct you afterwards. <laughs> Uh, I'll go first. Go for it, Sonny. Okay. Uh, the the worst one is all of them. They all get <laughs> they all get zero stars, and the best one is none of them. None of them are any. No, I, I I'm joking a little bit. I actually do like the the uh, I like the fifth and the sixth entries in the series. The fifth was the one in Brazil. The favelas, yes. Uh, and uh, the sixth was the one starring uh, Luke Evans. Um, and I only I, I I'll be honest, I can't really remember why I like that one. I just remember it being slightly less offensive to my eyes than the rest of the series. Uh, I, possibly because Gal Gadot had a lot of uh, screen time on that one. Ooh, you but. pronounced her name differently this time, yeah, Sonny. Why know, is that? Some, some somebody on the internet said that it's not Godot like uh, you know like uh, French. It's Gadot because she's Israeli. I I have decided to accept her own pronunciation of her name. Uh, you know, I feel like that's polite. That's, 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 uh, Wonder Woman needs to be respected. Okay. So good. anyway, uh, anyway, they all get zero stars. They're all bad. Dick, what's your favorite? All right, you know what? I I've, I saw the first one, and, and then I saw Tokyo Drift, and I saw. Uh, now this is crazy. I'm still thinking about the fact that it was out of sequence. That's wild. I got to let that one sink in. And uh, and then and then the Fast Five. Uh, I I really like the Fast Five. I thought I thought it was good. I particularly like how uh, Han ends up with uh, Gail Gadot. Gail was that her first name? Gail. What's her first name? Gal. Gal. Gal Gadot. I like how they ended up together. It's very rare for the Asian man to land the hot white woman. And uh, <laughs> it's not that rare. <laughs> oh, thank right you, now. JVL. Yes, that makes me and Han, we have a lot in common. And also, we like to race cars. Uh, uh, so I liked uh, I liked that movie. As ridiculous as it was, dragging a giant vault 
around the highway. Um, that was crazy. That was crazy. And uh, but it was good. And you just can't with these movies. You just can't stop to ask questions like, how did he get out of those handcuffs? How did he escape from that car? Just go with the flow because if you think too deeply, you're, it's going to hurt your brain and just, you won't have shut, an answer. Just shut your brain off and That's watch right. it like an idiot. That's just right. Look at, just look Feed at the, the, the look at the pictures like a child in, in <laughs> going through a flip book. JBL, what's your favorite in this series? We will now rank the Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> Vic, can you mute Sonny, please? I'm, fa- I'm, can yeah, you mute, I'm muting mute him. Yeah, I'm going to mute him. <laughs> Number one, the original Fast and the Furious. Uh, this movie is great. It's really great. And you go back and watch it, and it has tremendous staying power. Uh, everything about it is iconic. The, it establishes the mission statement for the series. It establishes the universe that these people live in. It establishes a truly iconic character in Vin Diesel's Dom Toretti. Uh, he is he's just a, a perfect screen character and screen creation. Uh, it's filled with quotable things. It's filled with great action and great racing. Uh, it, everything about it is, is just perfection. Uh, and a side note... Can we pause to be a little bit sad for Chad Lindbergh? Chad Lindbergh is the actor who played Jesse in the first one. He's great in the movie. He's the mad scientist cartooner who's kind of an ADD case and sort of the heart of the family. And he gets killed at the beginning of the third act. And he is the only member of this series who never gets to cash another paycheck from the Fast and the Furious series. Have, have he, I actually been muted? <laughs> Did Vic, I didn't hear anything. I didn't did, you? Hear anything. did you say something, JVL? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Number two, Furious 7, which is a tremendous movie all on its own, basically also a perfect movie, but weirdly and surprisingly, it handles the exit of Paul Walker in a way which is deft graceful. and sunny and graceful and kind of beautiful and art. Which in a movie where they've just been like running around blowing stuff up and jumping cars is totally unexpected and wonderful and poignant. Fast Five, as you said, the introduction of The Rock is tremendous. Number four, Fast Furious Six. Number five, Tokyo Drift, which I could be inclined to put possibly above six, maybe, Mary Catherine. Uh, Number six, Fast and the Furious Eight, The Fate of the Furious. Number seven, Fast and Furious, which is the fourth entry in the series. And the worst of them all is Too Fast, Too Furious. As I said in the beginning, no one denies this. Sonny, you're back on. We unmuted you. Uh, oh, good, are you good. still there? Uh, so I have I have uh, just one comment, and that both neither of you seem to know how to pronounce Dom Toretto's name. What, JBL, you called him Toretti, and uh, and Vic, you called him like Toretto. 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 Like he's a, like he's a uh, Godfather. Uh, yes. Well, he is Dom. Dom is. What are you saying, Sonny? You're both idiots. Well, <laughs> besides that, are you pronounce it differently? Dom Toretto. It's Toretto. Toretto. Fine. Whatever. You know what? Can we also pause for a moment to appreciate Tyrese Gibson? Tyrese. Uh, as the worst character, <laughs> as the worst actor in this movie? Sure. Let's no, because he is not the worst actor. No, that would be ludicrous. Movie. I mean, that uh, would be ludicrous, ludicrous to think. No, no. I meant that would be ludicrous to think Tyrese Gibson is a terrible actor. Sorry. No. Look, Ty- so Tyrese Gibson is basically playing Falstaff, which is not an easy thing to do. <laughs> and he's got one job and one job only. He's saddled comic relief the whole time. I'm glad we're not looking too deeply into this he movie. He's never grading on the audience. And that requires, truth be told, a lot of actorly skill and a lot of screen career. Charisma, and I think he's great at what he does here, and I think there's a lot to be admired. 
Okay. Uh, you say he's never grating on the audience. Uh, I wanted to fire the entire movie theater into the sun when he did his Blanta, his Black Santa Blanta bit in the latest movie. You know why you thought that? Because everybody else around you laughed. And you <laughs> yeah, hate people. they're all garbage. They're all garbage. I was surrounded by garbage uh, radio contest winners. That line uh, kills. Okay, have we gotten all the Fast and Furious off our chest? Yeah, you know what? I want to say one more okay. thing. Okay, yes, please, JVL. Uh, no, just please. as an ex- look, this is an example of what I'm talking about when I talk about really efficient storytelling. Think about the open of, of Seven. Seven opens with Jason, Stath- Jason Statham in the hospital room, and you, he's talking to his brother. You're getting the full, hey, this guy is into family, too, thing, which makes him a worthy adversary. But then instead of showing Jason Statham killing people and blowing a bunch of things up and punching and kicking, you realize that you're here in the aftermath and you just get the big pullback as you see what he's done to wreck this place. And that is so infinitely more effective and more economical as a storytelling device. Uh, And again, it it establishes the characters tremendously heavy. It establishes him as also being two fists in on the whole family stuff, which is going to be what makes him a worthy adversary because he's not just a merc. He believes in all the same stuff they do, and this is what's going to motivate him and drive the character. I'm just saying that, yes, cars jumping from the you know, the 95th floor of a skyscraper to a 63rd floor of a skyscraper is ridiculous. But as a piece of storytelling, as a piece of narrative construction, these are really well, well-crafted movies. So I, I, I will actually agree with that. And I think I highlighted this in my review uh, two or three years ago. A, that is a fantastic opening scene because it's clever. It's actually funny and clever and it is unexpected. And there is there frankly isn't enough of that in these dumb movies the, the it's always they're filled with these gibberish nonsense words that are supposed to uh, give you some sense of what's actually happening. Like, uh, you know, uh, I, I remember in, in the in the fate of the furious, they, they describe the EMP as like a class four WMD, which is a term that has no actual meaning. Um, uh, uh, but it, it is like specific enough to make us think like, okay, yeah, these guys are terrorists, except they're assaulting what is clearly not a terrorist facility. I don't, I'm sorry. You, if you, if you just say like, set aside the plot holes and the lack of physics and the fact that none of this actually makes sense and they're good movies, you haven't actually made a good movie. Look, the faith of furies is not that great. I mean, it's, it's better than sucker punch. Well, that's but not it's, right. That's incorrect. But I'm not saying it's a great movie, Sonny. I'm just saying it's better than Sucker Punch. Oh, okay. You know, you know what? I, you know, yeah, great. I'm not, um, not going to take your bait on this. Okay. All right. Uh, I think it's time to move on. Uh, we were talking it's time about, to move on 30 minutes ago. Since we were talking Garbage about our movies. rankings. We are fast approaching our... 25th, are we furiously uh, approaching? Furiously. Fast and furiously approaching our 25th episode, the Silver Anniversary Edition, which you'll be I, able to get a DVD. I live my my podcast, <laughs> live my life one quarter of a podcast at a time. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, exactly. Uh, and we wanted to look fondly back on our favorite, least favorite episodes and why. And we, so we decided we were going to do a quick, I don't know if you want to do ranking or just say favorite, least favorite. Uh, JVL or Suddy, you have thoughts. I'll go last because I'm okay. right. Okay, <laughs> uh, Suddy, you go first. Uh, I would say that my least favorite episode is the unaired pilot. Wow. The unaired pilot episode of the, the weekly substandard, which no one will ever hear. 
Uh, sorry, guys. That was a that was something that is going to be locked away in the vaults forever. Um, my favorite was almost certainly uh, the most recent episode that we did uh, about Michael Caine uh, and Red Eye and uh, basic cable classic movies. It's really just it gets to what makes the weekly substandard work. The uh, uh, kind of discussion. Uh, Sonny, I need to. I need friends. to. Sonny, I need to interrupt you. Is something coming out of your microphone right now? Yeah. A sort of protuberance. And uh, you know, I just I loved it. I loved it, and everyone should go back and download that episode. It's again. very sweet. Download it a second time just to listen to you know three friends bantering about their their ridiculous obsessions. That was, that was wonderful. Vic, what's your Sonny? favorite episode? Well, I'll do you, I, I'll, you know, funny enough, my least favorite is also the mysterious unaired pre-first <laughs> episode that no one will ever know uh, what was on it. That's the one where you make a joke about all the ethnic groups you oh, don't like. Oh my gosh, besides <laughs> that one, and, and you know, yeah, that's right. And then somebody has the quote accident in the studio, <laughs> you know, because they said they were nervous. Anyway, lots of things happened on that show and no one will ever know about it. It's It exists somewhere. I'm I'm somewhere. sure it's somewhere, in, our emails somewhere in a dark, dark place. Uh, but yeah, I'll go there because we just weren't sure yet. You know, we were still it was in show it. It was in show it up. So we were still sort of feeling our way out about what we do, what we talk about elements and things like that. Uh, and then until we came into our own. My favorite episode uh, uh, for, for me was actually and I did love the Michael Caine one. Sonny, don't get me wrong, but uh, New Jersey Turnpikes. Uh, Thanksgiving, New Jersey Turnpikes. Uh, Ooh, I just classic. think it's a classic. I think that's when we came into our own. That's when boom, something happened. It was like a spark, and it was your outrage. Jonathan and I going off on the different rest stops. I thought, I thought this is it. We found something very quirky, very obscure, bizarre, but people like it. So, uh, and it worked based yeah, on that the was, feedback. That's uh, the Alien Invasion plus Thanksgiving tips. If you want to yes. go back and uh... thank you, Sonny. Alien Invasion plus Thanksgiving tips. That's where we, we turned a quarter. Uh, go ahead. Also, our uh, first yes. uh, explicit podcast. That's the first podcast with an E. So that's you know, very once interesting. We, once we decided to go blue, this that's when podcast, really came Sunny, has not earned an E yet. Which one? Are you sh- this are you one sure? right now that okay. you're doing has not earned an E for explicit. I'll, I, I might I might drop it later, but it depends. Uh, JVL right now. No, no, so no. JVL. Please. Unlike these guys who are humble bragging about the worst episode. Oh, the worst episode is one you'll never see. I'll tell you, we have three legitimately terrible episodes. <laughs> Why uh, would you say that? They're not going to listen. Our downloads are going to plummet. We got to we got to tell everybody that every single episode is great. Don't you see? Because what's I going treat on my it? audience like don't they're my you? friends. Mm-mm. That's why. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I don't lie to them. No, I treat them like clicks. Go ahead. <laughs> on the worst list, number three, the Marvel versus DC, which now I look back on this episode and I cannot believe that we wasted what should have been an epic topic on this when we were still like three episodes in or two episodes it in and we didn't know we'll how to do the to show yet. Remember, it came at a time when there was not a lot going on. January is the worst or whatever number two, it was. Gilmore no Girls. Ever. The Gilmore Girls episode. Who needs that? One went for some stupid Netflix show that nobody even watched. We that was my second least favorite JVL, and also because I think there was nothing else going on. Go ahead. The worst was last week's Michael Caine episode, <laughs> no, which no, I've no. now listened wrong. to no. again, wrong. Wrong. and it is so. God, I can't believe anybody listened to that thing. <laughs> Please listen to it again if you don't believe Jonathan. It's that good. I gave a B minus review according to Sunny Bunch. The three best. The Logan episode. That's good. One. Where Vic gets his very special gift from me. I still have it. Rogue One. The Rogue One episode is actually really good. That was big. We did Rogue One twice, yes? The before and after. So which we one is the Redux. One? The Got Redux. It. The one where we had actually seen the seen movie. The movie all three of us did. Uh, the best episode we've done. And I did 
just so you guys know, I did go and listen to all of the episodes so I could like, <laughs> this isn't just me like, time. hey, no, no, I remember no, no, that's this way too much time. No, 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 that's too insane. Martin Scorsese. <laughs> that, so look, it starts oh out slow. You're mean. But once You're very mean. that thing cool. gets going, it is like it's on rails. And because I, you know, now I can say this, this, I had plotted the entire thing. I'd spent literally a week preparing for it, and I had diagrammed out. So if Sonny says this, I'm going to say that. If he says X, I'm going to say Y. And I had this whole decision tree of arguments for what is essentially the Barbarossa of troll jobs. And it works. And having Sonny lose, 50 his, divisions. lose his mind on air was so great. Uh, and it, as I said, just it holds up when you listen to it. it if you practice. go back. It's a great if show. You, if you go back. If to you're a new yeah. listener, you should go back and listen to the Martin if Scorsese If you go back, listen to them all. They're great. If you go back to the Scorsese. They're not all great. Go if listen you go to back, don't, I would say skip Jack Reacher. But uh, if you go to the Scorsese episode. Uh, I sort of, I feel like I sort of inserted myself at the end to prevent Sonny from blowing up. He, he, he had the, you, you like a cork. Able, yes, well, you wouldn't, you <laughs> couldn't see him on the show, uh, but the, the look on his face was, which a is scary. Why, it was a little scary. We need a YouTube video cast of this. Okay. Um, I think we're ready to move on then. Uh, yes, corrections, additions, JVL. You know, last week's show was such utter garbage that I refuse to correct any of it. The correction is the whole thing, and I am sorry. Uh, I am sorry that we wasted your time. People, you're ridiculous. People love Michael Caine. People loved hearing about uh, Sonny's anecdote about meeting Michael Caine, and I did a movie review. And people demanded that we talked about Cable Classics, so we delivered on that, didn't we? We People wanted to. How many people came to us? Fan service, JVL. What are you saying about the fans? Okay, Sonny. Uh, I have one correction. I have a correction. I have to say, but it's not for me. It's for Mary Catherine Hamm, Christian Saltis <gasps> Anderson, who have who mistakenly said that there are no great eight plus movie franchises uh, uh, in the in the while talking about the Fast and the Furious movie. I've got a little one called Star Wars. Star Wars more than eight movies, uh, uh, and easily as big as. The Fast and Furious franchise. Uh, I love them. I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to to, to give them a little, uh, just a, you know. Is it as good as the Fast and the Furious, though? Uh, well, the Star Wars movies are a million times better than the Fast and Furious movies. The I mean, Phantom like Menace. Every every single one. Attack, Attack of, of the, the Clones. Clones. I would uh, Attack of the Clones is better. The worst moments in Attack of the, the Clones. Force the Force Awakens. The, Revenge the of the Sith. Return everywhere. of the Jedi. That scene. That scene is a hundred times better than anything that's happened in any of the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> Look, there are three good Star Wars movies and five garbage Star Wars movies, and there are four good Fast and Furious movies. Uh, the problem with this is that there are zero good Fast and Furious <laughs> movies, and there are like six good Star Wars movies. All right. Well, your opinion, man. Yeah, it's right. <laughs> I noticed that's like your opinion, man. <laughs> I, I, you know what I noticed on uh, when uh, Mary Catherine and Kristen Soltis Anderson uh, did their show, the photo of them drinking Coronas in the studio, and I can't so help. That's what they drink in the Fast and Furious I, movies. Well, yes, you can have any one, beer you want, Brian, right. as long as it's, it's Corona. Corona. But I also couldn't help think that it was partly inspired by Spirit of the Week. Speaking of which, Spirit of the Week, uh, I'm drinking here in studio. Uh, Jefferson's Ocean Aged at Sea Kentucky Straight Bourbon. It's smooth. It's very delightful. Uh, JVL, you're going on some sort of fast. You have no liquids whatsoever. 
It's because I wasn't offered, even though I know you're going to have that. Even though Sonny uh, is, is not in, right. in the studio. Sonny, so what are you drinking, drinking alone? I, yeah, which well, is totally not a sign a, that you have a problem. No, I knew I had a problem a long way before this podcast. Uh, Sonny, what are you drinking? And don't tell me it's Pappy Van Winkle. Uh, I have three cans of Diet Dr. Pepper in front of me, two of which are empty. Uh, so I've just been I've been consuming caffeine and 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 23 flavors or whatever. Uh, so uh, no no alcohol for me today. Can I can I ask a serious question, boys? Sure. So if you open a bottle of bourbon mm-hmm. and just like pour yourself a couple fingers and drink it, yeah. When you put the cork back in, does your bourbon go bad at no, any point? Never. It lasts for forever. Yeah, it'll just evaporate. So why don't you? Why wouldn't, wouldn't you just open that, up your Pappy I, I don't Van know Winkle that it'll last drink? I'm sorry. I, I don't know that it will last forever, but as long as you keep an airtight seal, uh, it will last for a long time. Bourbon will never go bad. However, what happens is once you open it, the evaporation process begins uh, much more faster than had you not opened it or uncorked it. So then you Much got, more faster. Much more faster and much more, more furious faster. there, too. Uh, it's what they call the angel's share, right? So how fast does this happen? So this, well, I guess what I'm no, getting at not, is why do you sit on the... <laughs> that's in the barrel. The angels share the barrel, and then there's the devil's cut, but that was a marketing ploy. So yeah. why is it that you're sitting on this bottle of supposedly amazing bourbon instead of like, I don't know, like once a week for five years, pouring yourself like a, a one finger's worth and, and just enjoying and, it? And haven't you learned anything from the Fast and the Furious? Life is short, uh, Sonny. You should just... No, but this uh, is a real question, Sonny. Like, why, why not just like have a finger? Well, I mean, I I could if I wanted to, but I'm saving it for a special. I don't understand the question. It's not, but it's not like it's not like a bottle of Dom Perignon or whatever. It's it's not going to go bad. It just right. sits there. But but, but I'll tell the you. The point why. is, you could have a tiny mouthful to taste how amazing this supposedly thing really is, uh, and then if it's really that awesome, you could like put it away and wait six months to have another one. Like, how long are you going to wait for? JVL, JVL. I, Sunny, I have opened it and I have been drinking it. I don't understand. I, again, oh, I don't quite okay. understand the question. I did not realize that. I'm Sunny sorry. I thought this was all, yeah. sitting away, no, boxed like a like a collector's toy that you weren't even going to take out of the box because I, I, you were waiting for it to increase in value or something. I just assu- yeah. I just assumed he was. Is waiting for a special occasion, like when he is happy. Okay, <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I'm I'm not waiting for a never occasion. That's all the time we are giving to this episode. Questions, comments, complaints, compliments. Tweet us at Victorina Mattis at Sunny Bunch. Again, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play. Just type in Substandard on the podcasts. We're there. Leave a review. Tell your friends, and don't forget, Substandard show notes will be up on Friday at 11 a.m. Until next time. So when we were in New York, uh, we went to the planetarium. And we, you know, when you get uh, your passes, I bought my passes ahead of time and it came with free movie at the planetarium. Great. Free movie for us and the kids in the sphere. You go in the sphere. And the movie was called Dark Universe. I said, oh, this is great. And it's all about the Big Bang Theory and the origins of the universe. I said, you know, this is great because my son, you know, he's had questions about the origins of the universe, what goes on before you start really thinking it gets crazy about Big Bang before that. Luckily, the show was narrated by Neil deGrasse Tyson. So, so it's they had he had all the answers and he kind of sounds like God even though in Neil's world there is none. Uh, so my kids, you know, all their uh, questions have been answered. Uh, they've rejected the faith now. I mean, they're atheists, but other than that, it was a great show. That's lovely. I know you're a big fan too, uh, Sonny. 
Uh, yeah, <laughs> he was he was great in Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice. Wow, JVL, what's going on? <laughs> I'm not even touching. You know, that. I uh, I just wanted to have like a conversation with you, Vic, about how your weekend was because we celebrated this weekend for you. The holiest day of the year. Yes. The day where we celebrate life, mm-hmm. possibility, openings, beginnings. <laughs> it was Emma Watson's birthday. You know what? That's crazy. <laughs> it's like it was meant to be. It was kismet because I was in, when this happened, I was walking by the Empire, you know, through the Empire State Building. And what did I walk past? But a photo of Emma Watson in the Empire State Building. And I believe uh, my wife pointed and goes, oh, she says, there's your girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) So she's cool with it. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, I'm sure she's fine. 